Do I need to take the Series 7 exam? I get that question all the time. At least once a week, I see it on the Facebook groups or Reddit or wherever. Do I need to be sponsored to take the Series 7? Well, I'm Ken Finn in the Series 7 Whisperer, and I'm going to answer all your questions about this. But before I do, let's talk about the history of it a little bit. Not crazy, just understand. So before 2018, the only exam you could had to take was a Series 7, and then you take the state exam. FINRA only required the Series 7 to sell everything. So after 2018, October 1st, 2018, they added in the SIE exam, Securities Industry Essentials exam. They said that will be a co-requisite, like a prerequisite, but a co. You can take them in any order. The SIE exam, you do not need to be sponsored to take. You can take that as soon as you turn 18. You can sign up, pay for it yourself, and take it. There's a, I have a video on here. I'll try to post it in here on how to do that. Okay, you set up a FIN program. You can do it through a firm too, but a lot of people find out it's easier to get a job if you have that ahead of time, which is great. Do it. And they also have a thing called the FIND program. So if you don't have a job, you take the SAE exam. And then they, if you're not sponsored by a firm, they automatically put you in this program where your name goes on a list of people looking for jobs and all the broker dealers who have access to it can see it. They have to opt in also. There's quite a few broker dealers in there. I don't even think I have a video for that. I think I do. Um, yeah, because I do remember I did the video on it and that on the MQP, MQP program. And then one day I was at a conference with friends. Like, oh, yeah, I saw your video. I'm like, oh, God, do I really want regulators watching this shit? They're going to think so low of me like I'm an idiot. Okay, now, um, let's keep moving on this. So the SAE exam, you can absolutely take. And that's a great idea to take before you start working. Before you start to get a job, take the SAE exam, set yourself apart. But let's actually go through all the exams that you can take without a sponsor. So you can take the SAE exam without being sponsored. You can take the state exams. The 63, which is for agents of broker-dealers on the state level. The 65, which is to become an investment advisor representative. I can't speak. An investment advisor representative for an investment advising firm. or you, And that's separate. And that, Or you can take the Series 66, which is a combination of the two. It lets them... It lets you do both of them at the same time instead of two exams. It's shorter than both of them combined. The 63 is like 60-something questions. The 65 is 140. And the 66 is 110 questions. So you can take all of them before you even start. Most people think about the SIE when they think about it, but they don't realize they can take the 60 exams also. Not bad, bad idea. So, And then the other exam you can take is the Series 3 exam. Three exam. That allows you to trade, deal with futures and forwards those futures and forwards are contracts to buy and sell um, commodities, lumber, corn, stuff like that. So not super common, but a few of my students had to get the 766 and then they go, hey, I need the three, which again, anything to set yourself apart from other people is a good idea. So you take the SIE and either the 63, 65 or 66 to put yourself up on a pedestal or the three to show on your resume that you're trying harder than everyone else because that's the goal. You don't need to do it, although some firms are requiring the SAE before you even start, like you do during college. I have a lot of students now that hit me up during their spring break or during the winter, or they want to take it right after they graduate, before they go on their trip. They want to bang it out so they can walk into that into the job having it already. And not everyone does it. Like one of the students I just talked to said she talked to her mentor, and they said out of 30 analysts that came in, 25 of them had the SAE, five didn't. And she said nobody really cared. But it just put extra pressure on her. So she wanted it. She told the younger person, get it now and get rid of it. And then I told her, let's get the 63 also because she's going to be in sales and trading. Now, on that note, 
If you're in college and you want to do the SIE, good, do it. Get it out of the way. Lots of free stuff. I have my YouTube videos, stuff like that. Um, the second one, if you're going to take the, if you have a choose between the licensing exams, I would, I would say, since you don't know where you're going yet, I would take the 63 and the 65 separately, only because then no matter where you go, they can hold it. If you have the 66 and you go to a purely brokerage firm, you might have problems. You might have to take the 63 again. Or if you go to just an investor and advisory firm and you have the 66, the 66 has to be paired with the seven. So if you go to an investment advisor firm where there's no, it's not a FINRA firm, which if you're going that way, you'll understand, you don't carry the seven there. They won't because seven is only for broker dealers. Then if you did the 66, you're going to have to retake the 65. I'm doing that with a student right now. She had it and the student, the state that she's looking at doesn't um, allow the 66 to be carried without the seven, which is normal. So she'd have to take the 65 again. I have a lot of, also have a lot of students in the 50s and 60s, I have one an 83-year-old, had to take the 65 again because he had the 66 and they weren't accepting it because they didn't have the 7 anymore. Um, lots of things. So back to this. So if you want to work for a broker-dealer, you're going to need the SIE, the 7, and then one of the 60 exams. You can take the SIE and the 60 exams without being sponsored. So prior to 2018, the only exams you could take on your own were the 63 exam was for a state exam for agents. The 65, which is to be an investor and advisor rep for an investor and advisor, again, a state exam, or the 66, which was a combination of the two, save you a little time. After 2018, they added the SIE exam, Securities Industry Essentials exam. That exam is like a co-requisite. It's like an intro to securities and some of the FINRA rules and, and money laundering rules and stuff like that. Very basic, not easy, just basic. That was a co-requisite with the seven. They took the big 250 question seven, chopped it up, took 75 of the questions and put them into their own exam, the more basic ones. And then the more whatever suitability-based ones they put in the actual seven top off. So now they added in the SIE. If you're 18 or over, you can take the SIE exam, pass it, and then you have it. It's good for four years. Now, here's a thing people don't realize. If you work for a firm, a FINRA firm, and you have the SIE, there's no four-year time limit. You don't have to take the seven within the four years. But if you're not associated with a firm, then it does have a four-year hard time limit. After four years, you got to retake the SIE if you don't have the seven by then. So again, if you are with a firm, your SIE lasts forever. With a FINRA firm, your SIE lasts until you take the seven or whatever. So you can now take the SIE exam, the 63, the 65, the 66, and the three, all without sponsors. Now I'm answering the question. Took me five minutes, maybe 10. Who knows? I ramble. Should I talk more? FINRA has a lock on the 6, the 7, the 9, 10, the 24, the 14, the 57, the 99, and the 79, and the 4. So all those exams are FINRA sponsored. You must be sponsored by a FINRA member, broker, dealer to take them. You could even work for a FINRA firm and they may not sponsor you. So they actually have to work for a FINRA firm and they sponsor you. If you're going to be facing clients, they're going to probably make sure you're sponsored anyway, but they do screw people over sometimes and not sponsor you and say, listen, we don't want to do it. So you have to be sponsored for all of them, for all those exams, the four, the six, the seven, the uh, nine, 10, 14, 24, but 57, 79, 79, 99, 86, 87. All of those, you have to be sponsored by a friend or firm. And you may even work for a firm and they won't sponsor you because you're afraid. But 
actually about five or six years ago, maybe even 10, because I don't know, FINRA changed their attitude. It used to be, if you're not doing the exact role that you're sponsored for, you cannot be licensed. They said, wait a second. They found out people were parking their licenses. And we'll get to that later in the video, because that's one of the issues that come up with this question. Parking a license is when you, you just hold a person's license and they're doing no services for you. They found out that that was causing problems. That's why also the two-year window when your seven expires. So if you take the seven and you leave, you have two years to re-register. And a lot of people were just hooking up with firms and paying them to park their licenses, which is a violation. So they added the MQP program to um, extend that out to five years. So they've done a couple of things to make life a little bit better and less illegal and more transparent. One is the MQP program where they, if you take continuing ed, if you don't have a job, you can go at least five years. They wanted seven. So this way, you know, dads and moms can actually have their kids and come back to work after that, as long as you did the continuing ed. But the states really balked at that. They didn't want it. They thought the license was too important, whatever reason. They weren't going okay with seven, so they came down with five, and that was a magic middle. The states haven't adopted it yet, but they will. I think it's gone through the process. Now, the other thing they do, remember, so the SIE, if you take that on your own, you take the SAE on your own. You can, if you go in, if you, and you don't have a job, you automatically go into the FIND, F-I-N-D system. I'll put a video here, um, where your name goes in there if you're taking it on your own. If you work with a firm, it won't. But if you're on your own, it will. And other firms that are hiring can come and look for you and make offers to you. If they, you know, they can look at your resume, your background, and stuff like that, and they can make an offer to you. Okay, back to the seven. So if you work for a broker-dealer, and they won't sponsor you. FINRA kind of addressed it this way. They, they change it to what they call permissive registration. So they allow, they, because they'd rather you be registered and know the rules than not. They realized that the background was, if you don't let people sponsor, you can't, you're not, you regulate them, but it, they can say, I didn't know the rules. So if they get the licenses, they now know the rules and they can't say, I didn't know. So they allow what they call permissive registration. So any FINRA member can pretty much sponsor you for almost any FINRA exam even if you're not in that role and they can hold it for you because your idea is that, you know what? We don't want people parking the licenses. We want transparency. So if you have the seven and the, and the, and the 63 and then the 24, but you will go to a firm where you're just a registered rep, the 24 is like a boss exam, like a principal exam. They can actually hold your 24 for you. Even if you're not acting in that role, because they want to make sure that you're registered and they want transparency. They literally don't want people parking their licenses. So that's an avenue that if you work for a firm and they won't sponsor you, go to them and say, you know, and look it up. I'll try to find a link for it and put it somewhere. But they allow for permissive registration. I speak to them all the time. I mean, once a week and about other things because I work at a broker dealer. I did. And um, I'm always talking to them. I have a relationship. And they um, they absolutely want they prefer the firm to register people for stuff because, again, transparency. That's what they want. Now, here is the un likable part I, the part i don't like about when somebody posts do i need to be sponsored for the series seven and this is where the issue comes up they'll invariably get a million messages dm me i got this i got this i'll help you out blah 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 and they'll mention firms that you can pay that you can pay to sponsor you okay there's a difference between if you work for like the firms like primerica or something like that or northwestern where they they kind of take it out of your pay they they take it out of your whatever your future commissions are. That's different, okay? Where they make you write a check to them. I'm not a fan of those places, but if you think you can sell, go for them. Those are big firms. 
and that's okay. But there's some firms where they basically they don't want you to do anything. They're just gonna you're gonna pay them to sponsor you. You're like you're covering the cost plus like ten percent, and they make money that way. Here's the problem with this, okay? And, and this is for any firm. If you go to any firm to be sponsored and registered and take the exam, that firm is on your record forever, okay? Forever. There's no way to get that off. See, even if you worked at a firm and then years later it got barred, it's still going to be on your record as a barred firm. And that creates taping problems and you may not get hired. It may actually knock you out of contention. If you want to work for one of the bigger firms and you have a disclosure like that and you worked for a barred firm or suspended, it doesn't matter. Well, it may, but it's going to ask bring up questions of like, wait, why did you work for them? Was stuff going on then? When you were there, who know, they don't know. It's going to create a level of distrust. You really need to do the research on your firm before you do this. So if you get a place that wants you to pay them to, to take the licenses, I'm not a fan of that, okay? You got to figure out another way. There are firms you can go to. Like if you go to like a Northwestern Mutual or even a Primerica and you, and you want to build a business and you work there, that's fine. Do not go to a place just just to get a uh, get a license because it's going to be on your record forever like look at this so this person worked at a firm and he well i'll show you the name in a minute but look he left in 98 but look at this his firm back in 94 so it shows your broker check even though this happened broker check came out around online around 90 maybe the mid 2000s even though broker check came out in the mid 2000s they still go back i have one from madoff look at this this goes back to 87 but look this person left in 98 Yet his still, boom, he, the, they expelled it from an aid. He left in 94, four years before. Now, here's the thing. It's Jordan Belfort, which if you ever watch a Wolf of Wall Street. But what happens is, yeah, he's fine. But no matter what you do, this is on your record. This is back to 87. So if you worked in the industry, your firms will be on here listed. If you worked for a FINRA firm, your firms will be uh, logged in. Oh, I mean, I can go look. I'll go up all the way back. Boom, fun stuff, right? Boom, you hit this. It goes all the way back to 1960. It's going to list your stuff. Let me go back to this person. So even though even though he left in 94, it's showing up on his broker check forever. So that's why I'm saying whatever firm you work for, every one of these firms you work for is going to show up on your U4, your U5, and your broker, broker check. Everyone can see it. So if you go to a firm where you're selling, where you're buying the right to buy, to, to take a license, you have to know that it's not okay, Okay. You ha I have to warn you that it's not okay, and there's a good chance they'll get caught at some. I mean, maybe they don't. I mean, but that's you're always going to be looking over your shoulders. Even 15 years from now, if all of a sudden they come back and say, "Hey, you know, we got nailed," all of a sudden you have to put a disclosure. You might have to put a disclosure on your U4, and then the good job you had is gone. It's better to suffer the pain a little bit and trying to get a job again. If the best way, one of the ways to look at whether you can do this or not is ask your friends if they heard of the firm. Because if you see a firm with a lot of disclosures, like if I hit, if I hit the Stratton Oakland, right? You're going to see. So then you hit the firm, Stratton Oakland, it's spelled, boom, explanation point, everything, They're making sure you know. But you're going to look, where is it? Okay, so you're going to look at a firm, you look it up, you type in the name of the firm you're looking at, and you hit this. You'll see this and you see disclosures. Look at them. Now, these are all bad shit, right? So this is all really bad stuff, regulatory events. You can look in the detailed report to see what they are. But if you see a lot of disclosures, you have to think about it. But remember, there are big firms out there, right? If you do, so let's say, look at a JP Morgan. Yeah, look, that's a big firm with thousands and thousands of people. 
They have a lot of disclosures. That's not the same. You got to know the difference, okay? You have to know the difference between the good firms. So if you bring up J.P. Morgan or Morgan Stanley or UBS or Goldman Sachs or Credit Suisse, eh, Citibank, Chase, all these companies you've heard of, and if they have disclosures, it's there. And that's what it is. I mean, they just have disclosures. There's no way around that. But you have to look at the firm and say, is the person you're talking to have a disclosure? Is the is the firm, is it a small firm? And they have a lot of complaints about like churning and stuff like that. And you've never heard of them. That's the second part of it. I'm not saying that a UBS is great. I, mean, I think they're great, RBC, all these firms. But you've heard of them and they're national, they're global. So they, they're going to have disclosures. But if you go to a small firm that has no reputation, okay, and then you buy a license or you park your license just to get it and then you leave a month later, Yes, it's, you'll probably be okay, but you're taking a risk. I'm a big fan of don't screw up. I mean, I have disclosures on mine, not from investing, but from like but 2009, I went from a, this kind of job to this because I was flipping from trading to compliance and started my business. So it took a lot of shit. That's on there. So, I mean, I could, my, my friends at the bigger firms, I have friends who are like high up now and they go, look, I can get you in. Don't worry about it. But it's always on the back of my shoulder. Don't make up. Don't screw up and have disclosures on there because they're on there forever, forever, okay? So again, the answer to the question of do I need a sponsor for the Series 7, the answer is yes, but don't just get any sponsor. Try to do the best you can. There are firms out there, right? There are legitimate firms that will hire you without experience. Like Again, the Primericas and Northwesterns, Morgan Stanley, Maryland, all of them take in people that are brand new and they'll, they'll license you. And if you're worried that, oh, I, I lost, I failed it twice, I want another chance, well, yeah, then maybe go to the Northwesterns or Primaricas where they won't pay you and you got to reimburse them for that. But there, I, mean, I think State Farm does that, Allstate does that. They may even pay some of it and then take it out of your future commissions. That's all fine. But if it's a firm event I've heard of and they go, no, don't worry about it, just pay us and we'll sponsor you and they don't interview and they don't care about whether you do the work or not, that's kind of a red flag. And I would really stay away from it. So hope that helps a little bit. Just to recap, yes, you need this. You need the FINRA sponsored to get the six, the seven, and all those other licenses. You do not need sponsorship for the SAE, the Series 63, the 65, the 66, or the three. And those you can all get before you start, which is a great idea. Hope you like what I'm doing. Check me out every Tuesday and Thursday night on YouTube, 8.30 p.m., the original live Q&A every Tuesday and Thursday night. Have a great night. Also, Check out, I do, make sure you have notifications on because I do these pop-up where I take exams online. I'm starting to do that on random days where I just go, you know what? I'm not busy tonight. Boom, I'm going to jump on for an hour or two and just take tests with you like the Series 7, the SAE. I'll use different vendors. I've got permission from about four different vendors to do this now. So it's going to be a lot of fun and we get back and forth and we discuss stuff. I think it's even more fun than just watching me take a video. Because yeah, I say shit and it's sort of funny, I guess. But this is a lot of back and forth and we're struggling and you actually hear me unedited, all that stuff. Have a great night. Check me out.
Now we know what tests I didn't mention. So FINRA has a lock on this Series 4, this Series 6, this Series 7, the 9, the 10, the 24, but the 14, the 57, the 99, the 79. All of those exams are FINRA exams, and you absolutely need to be sponsored. There you go. Everyone drops off. You absolutely need to be sponsored to take these exams. Now, I do have solutions, and I have some people see options, and I'm going to go through the different options you have. So you can take you can you can take the SAE, the 63, the 65, the 66, and the three, all without being sponsored. And sometimes that looks good. A lot of college kids do it just to get again to put themselves a step higher, show aggressiveness. There's even some firms that require you to have the SIE at least before they even start you. Bigger firms, like I'm not even going to mention that, but some of the firms require that because they, they want to know that you can take a test. And I think they'll tell you to do it during your intern year, maybe June, after your junior year, something like that. Now, they take the other exams you need to be sponsored. And they actually have to sponsor you by a FINRA firm. It's not just any bank or anything. It has to be a bank or a broker dealer or investment firm that is registered with FINRA has to be registered with FINRA and they have to be willing to sponsor you. Like if you work for a bank like Chase Bank, there are there's departments of it where they will sponsor you and then there's departments where they won't. So people get panicky that way. They go, look, I'm working for a firm. They should sponsor me and they don't have to. And if they're just a bank, they're not going to. If they think it can help your business or you need to be registered, they will. If you can't, they won't. On that note, one of your attempts to get sponsored by a firm that doesn't want to do it is to understand that 